Welcome to this week's presentation with Scott Tool. We are thrilled to have you joining us as we gain insight from God's Word. Now, speaking from Rosedale Baptist Church in Baltimore, Maryland, here's Pastor Tool. Uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, if you'll turn there, the book of Acts chapter number 2. Uh, and if you recall, um, we saw the post-resurrection, uh, the 40 days, part of that, uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to the disciples. And then, uh, before he left, he said, Don't depart out of Jerusalem until thou be endued with power uh, from on high. And then the ascension, then the ascension. And then now, uh, for 10 days, they've been in that upper room. They've been seeking God's face. They've been praying. They've been uh, walking with God in their hearts for those 10 days. And now, verse number 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Uh, out of every nation uh, under heaven. Uh, and then you're going to see those uh, nations listed, those nationalities listed. Uh, and of course, verse number 7, they were all amazed and marveled, all amazed and marveled. Uh, and then in verse number 11, at the end of the list, the Cretes, the Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were, again, uh, all amazed. They were uh, all amazed. And then uh, a couple posed a question, are they drunk? Uh, is, that what, is that what's going on here? Uh, but then uh, the Simon uh, Peter stood up, used Joel chapter 2 as his text, uh, and then began preaching the word of God uh, to that crowd. Uh, in verse 21, he talks about calling on the name of the Lord to be saved in verse 21, and uh, so many different uh, Bible references throughout that, that message. And then at the end, verse 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. It was a spectacular event. Uh, an uncommon event uh, that represents a common happening every day of our lives. It's uh, ushering in a new age. It's transitioning from the Jews only to now God using the church and, uh, and reaching the world. Uh, because the day of Pentecost was fully come. Uh, it's transitioning from the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit landed on, lifted off, landed on, uh, lifted off uh, as he did his work, to now when a child of God bows his head, opens his heart, uh, the Holy Spirit of God indwells uh, and seals that child uh, of God. Uh, Acts chapter 2 is the birthing of the church. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, the birthing of a church. Uh, and of course we know that because in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, the Lord said, uh, uh, when he ascended up on high, uh, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Uh, that same passage, it says that uh, he gave uh, some pastors and uh, evangelists and prophets and, uh, and, and teachers for, for the work of the ministry for the church, for the church. Uh, and, and it's all about uh, Jesus when he said, it's expedient that I go away for if I go not away, the comforter will not come. Uh, and you can't have a church without the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, and so here it's happening in mass. 
Uh, here it's happening in Mass, where uh, today it happens one believer at a time. Uh, one person bowing their head, opening their heart, uh, and, and being baptized in the Holy Spirit of God, uh, sealed with the Holy Spirit of God, uh, and dwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. And, and so this spectacular event is the birthing of the church. Uh, you know, the birth uh, of someone is unlike any other day of their life. Would anybody agree with that? How many were forced to go to the delivery room like I was? Anyone else for, for, for one of your children? Uh, I, I'm telling you what, uh, there hasn't been a day like that day in the life of my son or a day like that day in the life of my daughter. Uh, it was a spectacular, uh, in some good ways, in some anyway, uh, uh, ways. Uh, and so it's an out-of-the-ordinary type uh, of an event. Uh, why? Why, in verse 4, were they all filled with the Holy Ghost? Because as of yet... None of them had been filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, why, in verse number 3, uh, did they uh, hear them speak in their languages, the different languages? Because as of yet, uh, the Word of God wasn't translated into any of their languages. Uh, why did they stand amazed, in verse 7, and uh, they were sore amazed, in verse number 12? Uh, much like when Stephen was born, that delivery room, I was amazed. I, I, I mean, just uh, almost collapsed. And anyway, uh, amazed at that. Uh, and, and so it's an out-of-the-ordinary event uh, that happens ordinarily, supernaturally, natural, uh, every time someone bows their head, every time someone gets saved. It's the birth, the birthing of the church. In fact, it was so out of the ordinary, look at verse number 13. Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine, they're drunk. Uh, Peter, standing up at the eleven, lifted up his voice and said to them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you. Hearken to my words, for these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. Uh, but this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. The prophet Joel, and he uses that as his text, and he back references Joel 2, uh, giving a summary of that, 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 that uh, Old Testament time and now uh, the birthing of the church, the last days, eschatology. Basically, that's starting now. And so understand the birthing of the church, the birthing of the church. I think about in verse number five of Acts chapter one, John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. That happens at salvation. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we're Jews or Gentiles, whether we're bond or free. And so this happens one person at a time today. When a person bows their head, opens their heart, trusts Christ, they're sealed. It happened in mass then, one at a time now. And here it's not just an individual birthed into the family of God. For me, it was December 27th, 1984. I was birthed, born again, into the family of God. But here, it's the actual church being birthed now. And so let's look at not just the birth, the birthing of a church. Anytime there's a birth or the birthing of a baby, there's sometimes birthmarks on that baby. Some family features that will tell you Boy, there's no denying that that's your son. There's no denying that that's your daughter. Uh, birthmarks. If you're ever wondering, is this a true church? Uh, is that church a Bible-believing church? Uh, is that church uh, related? Uh, do they have the family features? Put down number one, if you will. Notice first the recognition of it. The church. The church. 
the recognition of it or the family features with it or the birthmarks of a Bible-believing church uh, in this prototype, this model of a church, this first mention of a church here, uh, what are the birthmarks? Put down number one, uh, it will be uncommonly unified. A true church, a Bible-believing church, a church that's related to that church will be uncommonly unified. Uh, haven't we already seen it in verse number 14 of chapter 1, uh, where they all continued with one accord in prayer? Remember the 120 that are in, a, in an upper room? I, I, again, I don't know that there was one shower there. They were there for 10 days, not uh, one stick of deodorant there. Uh, for them to be in one accord with one heart and uh, in one mind, Romans 15 talks about. But then you see it carrying over to verse number 1 of chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And so for it to be a Bible church, there's going to be a harmony. A Bible church, a, a church related to that church, it's going to have a, a, a unity of spirit, a, 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 a harmony, and being in one accord. By the way, for a church to be factioning and fighting, or a Christian to be factioning and fighting, boy, that's not showing a family resemblance to that church. Hey, quickly, fill in the next three blanks, if you will. Uh, when a church has that uncommon unification, uh, we see their salvations that result from it. Uh, you see in verse number one, they're in one accord, they're in one place, they're unified. Verse number 41, by the end of the chapter, 3,000 people are saved. Uh, I'm telling you what, uh, they're uncommonly unified. They see salvations. Uh, and then in Acts chapter 5, because they're uncommonly unified, you see miracles. Uh, Acts chapter 5, verse number 12. By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. It goes on to talk about the miracles, the, 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 the healings that happened there. Uh, chapter 1. Harmony. Chapter 2, uh, one accord. Chapter 5, uh, they're, they're of one mind. They're of uh, one heart. They're of uh, one spirit. Uh, and their harmony preceded their salvations. That, that, that unity preceded the miracles that they saw. Uh, and then number three, because that church was uncommonly unified, they saw revival. Uh, it's in chapter 4, that drumbeat, that drumbeat that God gives us on, hey, my church, uh, my church is going to have one heart. My church uh, my church is going to be in harmony. My church, uh, my church is going to have a unity. Uh, and you see it in Acts chapter 4, verse number 24. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Uh, and number three, there's revival. There's revival that takes place. Salvations, yes. Miracles, yes. Revival, absolutely uh, yes, and you see that the place was shaken. They uh, spoke with boldness, and uh, they were all of one heart, one soul. They had all things common. Uh, so, now, let's back up. We're talking about the birthmarks of a Bible-believing church. Uh, the, the, the family traits. Uh, I have people uh, that mix Stephen and I up uh, more recently. And uh, he looks just like you. I mean, uh, from a distance, the beard and uh, everything else. Boy, those family features, there's no denying him. And for a church today to be able to say, uh, there's no denying that church is, is related to that first church, that model church, that prototypical church, boy, they're going to be un, uh, un uncommonly unified. 
uh, uncommonly unified. Put down number two, it also will be incredibly diverse. Uh, uncommonly unified, the birthmarks of a how to recognize one. How to recognize a Bible-believing church. How to recognize a, a church that's like that church related to that church. Uh, it's going to have an incredible diversity. Look at verse number, verse number 5. Verse number 5 says, And they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now look at the list, verse number 8. Uh, as he uh, specifies, uh, how hear we every man in our own language wherein we were born? We weren't born here. We were born there. Uh, Parthians and Medes and the nationalities, Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and uh, in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia in Egypt uh, and the parts of Libya uh, about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, boy, all nations under heaven were there. They were uncommonly unified. They were absolutely, incredibly diverse. Incredibly diverse. Uh, I counted 14 different nationalities, but he summarizes uh, at the beginning saying, uh, there's every nation under heaven. Every nation under heaven is there. Uh, and where they have 14 nationalities, the diversity in that church, uh, we did a count a while back. We updated it recently. I think we have it for the screens. We have 48 plus different nationalities that we've reached, that have been saved, that sit in these, uh, this auditorium, that are a part of the ministry, a part of the school. Uh, 48 plus different nationalities. Hey, I want to be like that church, uncommonly unified. Uh, I want to be like that church, uh, incredibly diverse. Put down number three, talking about the birthmarks. Uh, does anyone in here have a birthmark? Should we ask for a raise of hands? Should we take time to show each other our anyway? Uh, and, and so uh, we're not that kind of church. But but the birthmarks of a true church, uncommonly unified, incredibly diverse. Number three, write it down. They're going to be Bible heavy, Bible heavy. Uh, it's going to be all about the Word of God from cover to cover the whole counsel of God, keeping back nothing that's profitable. Uh, and we know all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, uh, and all Scripture is profitable. Uh, look at it uh, there uh, in chapter number 2. Of course, uh, he references Joel 2, verse 28 to 32. Uh, that's his text for his message. Verse 15, For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day, but this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel, uh, and then he quotes him verse number 17 through verse number 21. And so uh, that's his text. But then as he preaches along, uh, he quotes Psalm 16. Uh, later on in that one sermon, he quotes Psalm uh, 110. Uh, later on in that same sermon, he alludes to Psalm 132. Uh, a little later on in that same sermon, he, he references Isaiah 44, 3. He uh, references Ezekiel eleven nineteen. 19. Uh, he references Zechariah chapter 12, verse number, two, uh, verse number 10. Uh, can we say a true church is a Bible-heavy church? But a true church uh, is a church that's all about getting all the Word of God to all of the people that are in all of the auditorium uh, every single week. But a Bible-heavy place. Now stay with me. We're talking about the recognition of that first church, uh, that birthing of that first church, that prototype of a church, that, that model of a church, uh, and then also looking at some of the birthmarks. 
How do we know we're connected? How do we know we're related? How do we know we're like that church? It's funny to me that, that some of the things that people look for in a church uh, when they're moving to a new town and they say, well, what kind of instruments are used for their worship? Uh, there's a deafening silence uh, here in the book of Acts about, did they use a pipe organ? I doubt it. It wasn't invented then. Uh, was there a piano? Was there uh, guitars? Are there uh, drums? Are there, uh, uh, is there a, a keyboard? It's almost as if God says that's not really important. Uh, what did they wear when uh, Simon Peter got up to preach? Uh, what did he wear? A uh, suit and a tie? Is that what he wore? Uh, and again, there's deafening silence there. Why, some of the things that, that we highlight as being important to us, and uh, do they run buses, or, or, or uh, what do they call their, their Sunday school? Do they call it a life group? Uh, and all of those items are Romans 14 kind of items, but God said, hey, you want to know what's important to me? Are they uncommonly unified? Uh, you want to know what's important to me? Are they incredibly diverse? Uh, you want to know what's important to me? Are they Bible heavy? Uh, and if they are, they have the birthmarks. The birthmarks, they're a part of the family, the family features uh, of that first church. Put down number four quickly, uh, and we're done with point number one. The recognition of it. The recognition of it. The birthmarks, the family features of it. Uh, it will be uncommonly unified. Uh, it will be incredibly diverse. Uh, it will be Bible-heavy. Put down number four. It will be Christ-centered. It will be Christ-centered. Hey, let's look at his sermon just for a minute, and let's look at how Christ-centered, the gospel-oriented, uh, that entire sermon was. Look at verse number 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man. And so first he preaches the incarnation of Christ. The incarnation of Christ. Uh, you men, he was a man. Uh, great is the mystery, of course, the God-man. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He preached the incarnation uh, of Christ. Uh, and then in verse number 23, he preached the crucifixion of Christ. Look at it, 23. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. At verse 24, he preached the resurrection of Christ. Look at it, 24. Whom God hath raised up. 32, this Jesus hath God raised up. And then in 25 through 28, in between those, he points to the Old Testament that, that foreshadows the resurrection. In fact, 29, David, verse 30, saw that God would raise up Christ. Well, his entire sermon, it's Christ, it's Christ, uh, the incarnation of Christ, uh, the crucifixion of Christ, and, uh, and, and then the resurrection of Christ. Uh, and number four, the ascension of Christ. That's what he's preaching. Uh, look at it in verse number 33. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, the right hand of God, uh, he died on a cross, buried in a sepulcher, rose from the dead, and now sits at the very right hand of ascending the ascension of Christ to the right hand of God the Father. Uh, I, talk about a Christ-centered church. Uh, he preached the incarnation, the crucifixion, the, the resurrection, the ascension, and then uh, the exaltation of Christ. Look at it again, 33. Therefore being by the right hand of God, next word, say it with me, exalted. Say it with me, exalted. Look at it in 36. 
Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. The exaltation of Christ. Uh, by the way, I did miss one. He also preached the salvation of Christ. The salvation of Christ. Look at verse number 21. Verse number 21. Uh, Christ, the gospel, woven throughout. Verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He revisits it, revisits it uh, down at about uh, verse number uh, 35, 36. Uh, and, and then, of course, in verse number uh, 41, they trust Christ. They receive the word. They receive the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but we need to step back and say, the birthmarks of a true church, are they uncommonly unified? Uh, are, they, uh, are they incredibly diverse? Are they, are they Bible-heavy? Are they, are, are they Christ-centered in their preaching? And by the way, a church where they're, where they're not uncommonly unified, there's fighting and factioning. Hey, don't join that church. Run as fast as you can away from that church. A church that's not incredibly diverse. I'm talking about monochromatic, all-white church, or they all look the same, they, they all dress the same. Uh, again, don't join that church because that's not like this church. Hey, run as fast as you can from that church. A church that's not Bible-heavy, but the pastor preaching his agenda or politics or preferences rather than next passage, next chapter. Uh, is that church Christ-centered? Is it all about Christ or is it all about the pastor? What kind of music do they have? God really doesn't prioritize that. What does everyone dress like? It almost is silent on that. Uh, what do they call their small groups? And what time are their services? And uh, what does their altar call look like? Uh, God is fairly, in fact, they didn't have an altar during that, that sermon. Uh, uh, God's fairly silent on all of that. But are they uncommonly unified? Check. Uh, are they incredibly diverse? Check. Uh, are they uh, Bible-heavy? Check. Uh, are they Christ-centered? Uh, check. I've been asked, um, what church do you model after? Uh, is it a church on the West Coast or a church down in Texas? And my answer is, nope, <laughs> nope, <laughs> nope. Uh, is there a church in Florida that you really are trying to pattern the church after? And again, my answer is, uh, nope. Uh, well, what church is it that you look to? It's this church. It's this church. Boy, this church that was birthed in Acts chapter 2, that's the church. One that's uncommonly unified, it's a big deal here. One that's incredibly diverse, it's a big deal here. One that's Bible heavy, it's a big deal here. And one that's Christ-centered, it's a big deal here. Uh, sometimes there's people that will say, well, I want an old-fashioned church. As, uh, usually they say it with a scowl and an angry counter. Well, I just want to be a part of an old-fashioned church, they'll say. And, uh, and then I'll say, well, describe what you're talking about, an old-fashioned church. And they begin describing a church that, that is out of date, one that looks like it was in the 1950s or 1960s, one that, that has the appearance and the processes of the 1970s, that old-fashioned, old-fashioned and let me say this, I want to be a lot more old-fashioned than that. I don't want to just capture an era, a golden era of the 1940s, or a golden era of the 1950s. Hey, that's not the old-fashioned 
part of church I want to have. I want to go 2,000 plus years back to the church of Acts, to this one that Christ birthed, God birthed here. I want to be like that church. And so the recognition of it, the recognition of it, uh, we saw four of those things. Put down number two. Notice next the reach by it. The reach by it. This could be the fifth birthmark. Uh, this could be the fifth family feature. But notice the reach by it. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me, both, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth ever enlarging concentric circles. Boy, reaching where you're at, but not stopping there. Both, both Jerusalem, both Judea, both Samaria, both, both the uttermost part of the earth. But look how they did that even day one. Every nation under heaven, they reached them where they were at. And again, look at the nationalities in verse number uh, uh, 9. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, dwellers of Mesopotamia, in Judea, Cappadocia, in all Judea, in all Judea. They were reaching Judea the first sermon out of the gate. They were starting where they were at, all Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, in the parts of Libya, about Cyrene, strangers of Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretes, and Arabians. They didn't have to go into all of the world to reach all of those nations. All of those nations came to them. I have a map up on the screen to, to show all the, the nations that came there, that were a part there. All throughout, they, they congregated there. And that first sermon reached all of that world, all of those nations. And then... Uh, and then those nations' nationalities uh, went back home uh, visiting or, or moving back. And all those nationalities helped bring the gospel to all of those nations. But it started by reaching their Jerusalem first. Reaching their Jerusalem first. The authenticity of reaching the world, it has to start here. Uh, the fact that uh, they... They, they reach those nationalities. They reach those nationalities. Uh, and in the same way, uh, Rosedale, who has 48 different nationalities, are here. Uh, Baltimore, a lot like Jerusalem there, uh, doesn't have to go into all the world to reach all the world. Uh, we have all the world right here. Uh, and I would love to, to invite you into the conversations of, of, of different ones of those 48 different nationalities that's, that have said, Pastor, pray for me. I'm going back home. I want to share the gospel with my mom. I, I want to get the gospel. Hey, would you pray that God would open their hearts and, uh, and naturally uh, uh, we uh, reach those uh, nationally and then they reach those nations uh, uh, supernaturally? Uh, eventually, they will send out some, some what we would consider modern-day equivalent uh, missionaries. They do that in chapter 13. There's two sent out there. By the way, it's not even sent out by the church of Jerusalem. It's sent out by the church at Antioch. Uh, the church at Jerusalem reached those 14 nationalities. They reached those 14 nations. One of those was the church at Antioch, uh, and they were the ones that sent out. They were the ones that sent out. But it didn't start by going out. Uh, it started by reaching where they were at. Listen, before they sent out one person to Elam, they reached the Elamites at Jerusalem. Before they sent one person to Crete, they reached the Cretans at Jerusalem. 
Before one person went to Rome, they reached the, the strangers from Rome at Jerusalem. Uh, before they sent one person to Judea, uh, they reached the Judeans that were at Jerusalem. Before they sent one person to Samaria, uh, they reached the Samaritans that were at Jerusalem. Now, I do think the two extremes. I, I think the one extreme is someone that's not involved in their home church. Uh, not tithing, not actively ministering in their home church. Uh, I, I think the one extreme is uh, when someone who isn't involved, isn't giving to their, their home church, and they, they leave their luxury house that they built for themselves, they, they go across the street, and they go across the, the neighborhood, and they drive along, they bypass the homeless, they bypass the needy, they bypass their neighbor, they bypass all of them, they get on a plane, uh, they fly all the way over to another nation, calling it a missions trip, for a missions photo op so they can pretend like they're uh, missions-hearted. That's one extreme. That's one extreme. Uh, if they don't reach the neighbor across the street, they don't reach the family member down the road, uh, they don't reach the co-worker that's across the cubicle. Boy, it starts there first. It starts there first. Now, the other extreme is someone who's not involved at all about giving to missions. Boy, there's two extremes. Uh, and the healthy way that this church did it uh, was they reached those nations that were right there, uh, right there. Uh, and then as God naturally spread the gospel, boy, a little bit later, that's when they started sending and started supporting uh, and started praying. But it was only after they were involved there. Uh, put down, if you will, point number three. Point number three. Uh, in fact, I have one more map before we go to that. Uh, the map that overlays Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, uh, where it's Jerusalem, there's that center shaded area, and then uh, all Judea, that next shaded area, and then uh, Samaria, that next shaded area, and then uh, the uttermost part of the earth. It's interesting to me that they impacted all of those areas by reaching those that were right there on that first day. They did both. Put down number three, and this is the missions part of the message. Number three, a, a healthy church. The heart of a healthy church, the recognition of it, we've seen that. Uh, the heart of a healthy church, a, a healthy church. Uh, the heart of a healthy church, we've seen the reach by it. The reach by it uh, is we're going to go to our neighbor. We're going to go to our coworker. We're going to go to our family member. Hey, we're not going to bypass them pretending like, pretending like, hey, missions is all about reaching everyone in our entire world. But then when it's a healthy church, put down number three, the results from it. The results from it. Uh, the results from it, I have about two minutes on this point, and you say, Pastor, uh, why is this point so short? This point isn't short. This point is so long, I can't possibly preach it to you in the time I have left. This point about uh, reaching the world and how the gospel reaches the world, uh, when you start out with the right focus, when you're focused on reaching your neighbor, reaching your coworker, uh, reaching that, that family member, when you have a healthy church, uh, we're going to spend 27 chapters preaching point number three. Uh, we're going to spend 62, let's see, this is my third week. Uh, I told you it was going to be 64 weeks. Do the subtraction, uh, add the one. Uh, uh, we're going to spend the next 61 weeks talking about the missions, the mission, uh, talking about them reaching the world. But it starts with the heart of a healthy church. Are we uncommonly unified? Uh, are we incredibly diverse? Uh, 
Are we Bible-heavy? Are we Christ-centered? And, point number two, are we evangelistically minded? Boy, are we getting the gospel to our neighbor, getting the gospel to our community? Are we impacting the people here? And the results of starting there, the results of starting there, uh, will be a church that gets the gospel Yes, we sent out missionaries. We sent them to uh, Ethiopia. We sent missionaries to Honduras. And yes, we support 65 different missions points. And, uh, and, and, and yes, the, the financial support. But if we don't start here, we never will effectively get there. Uh, and so it's a lot like Mark 16 that says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, preach the gospel to every creature. Every nation, every nationality. Go into the world and preach the gospel. Matthew 28, similar. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. All nations. Go ye therefore. The emphasis we put on both of those great commissions is go. Go. That we, we think that the imperative is go. Okay, I need to move somewhere. Okay, I need to go somewhere. Okay, I need to do that. Uh, and, and then the mistake happens when, when I'm so busy going that I miss this person and that person and uh, the, uh, across the street, across the cubicle, across the office, my, my family member across the way. The emphasis isn't on go. It's basically as you're going. As you're going into all the world, make sure you're getting the gospel out. As you're going into all the world, and we are going into all the world on Monday to our workplace, uh, on Tuesday to the marketplace, uh, on Wednesday to our neighborhood, uh, on Thursday uh, with our family member, as you're going into all the world, make sure you're, you're sharing Christ. Make sure you're telling them about the free gift of God's grace. Uh, make sure you're sharing the gospel with them, uh, and then, uh, and then, that's the way we're able to do both. And so for, so for the next 61 weeks, uh, we're going to be looking at point number three, <laughs> the results of the heart of a healthy church, the results uh, of a church that has a heart, a heart for everyone, uh, especially our Jerusalem, especially our Jerusalem, but we do not stop there. Yes, we need to reach the world, but only why, while we're reaching our world here. Uh, yes, we need to commit to giving missions offerings and special sacrificial uh, gifts to international missions. Yes, we need to do that, but only as we're also tithing here. And, and so, the commitment card, I'm done. And you say, good, because you're late. But anyway, uh, the commitment card, uh, every year, once a year, we uh, kind of re-up, we recommit. Uh, and this isn't so much for us, this is for you. This isn't so much for us. This is for you. If you have your card, take it out. All of us should check number one. This year I commit to pray consistently. Boy, we need to be praying consistently. That's not even really something we need to ask the Lord. Should I pray consistently? No, every one of us should be checking that. Uh, number two, tithe faithfully. Tithe faithfully. That's not found by the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit already penned in the Scripture that we should be tithing faithfully. And so that's low watermarks. But then, then, support missions additionally. 
Boy, I'm going to be in prayer about that. How much? All of us should support missions additionally. We should have some active, be active financially and active, uh, active uh, on our heart supporting missions additionally. And then it has a couple of boxes where uh, if you're ready or you want to take it home and pray about uh, the amount of missions, the amount of missions, the amount of missions that, that, that you'll be uh, uh, sacrificing and offering to, to try to reach our world. It's not enough just to reach there and not be active here. It's not enough to just reach here and not be active and a part uh, there. Uh, and then, of course, those last two boxes. And I'll be honest with you, uh, whether you turn this in or not, um, we don't base our missions support and giving on, okay, what's the number that now that we add it all up? Uh, this isn't for our benefit. This is for your benefit. And the reason it's good to turn it in is because it's sharing it with one more person. Uh, it's committing and saying, uh, boy, I just want you to know, kind of an accountability, I just want you to know, uh, but this is for my sake. I want to make sure I'm praying. Uh, I want to make sure I'm tithing. Uh, and then supporting missions additionally, Boy, here's what, by faith, uh, I want to, to do this year with my faith promise giving for missions. And then whether this ever gets back to us or you keep it on your refrigerator, uh, refrigerator, uh, you keep it on your refrigerator just to remind you of what kind of part you're going to have in missions. Boy, I'm glad once a year we highlight this. Uh, and now for the rest of the year, we're going to be looking at the church at Jerusalem. Well, it was a healthy church because it was uncommonly unified, incredibly diverse, Bible-heavy, uh, Christ-centered, uh, evangelistically minded, reaching. They were reaching the world day one. They were reaching the world with that very first sermon. But point number three, we're going to extend for the rest of the year, and we're going to see how that healthy church impacted the rest of the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is today's message. We invite you to tune in next time with Scott Toole as he presents another message from Rosedale Baptist Church. For more information about today's presentation or about the ministries of Rosedale Baptist Church, go online to rosedalebaptist.org. That's rosedalebaptist.org. Join us again next time as we study the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse.